0: You tuned in to Relationship Factor, where we talk about all things relationships for millennials, moving you from a problem to solution, from functional to exceptional relationships. I'm your host, Kingsley Moyo. Hey, thanks again for downloading another episode of Relationship Factor. If we are not already connected, I hang out a lot on Instagram, find me, uh, the handle is Relationship Factor. Occasionally, they are dropping some relationship nuggets that'll pick you up and carry you throughout the weekend. some helpful tips on how to build healthy relationships. Another episode of Relationship Factor, and today my guest is Melinda Olson. Melinda Olson is a licensed marriage and family therapist. She is the owner of Viterra Counseling and the co-founder of Havenly Counseling Collective. In her practice, she uses significantly the Enneagram um, as a way to help millennials understand and change unhelpful patterns, love themselves, and to deal with those difficult emotions and really understand who they are and show up in relationships in helpful ways. In our conversation today, we talk about the Enneagram. It's actually a part one where we talk about the Enneagram, uh, helping you understand the different personalities represented by the numbers. It's not just a number, by the way. It's a personality type. That might just change how you receive and give love. Join me for this conversation. Enneagram. Enneagram has been around for some time now and depending on which circle you hang around you'll hear it pop up more and it's quite significant for millennials as well. I could guess maybe gen X's to gen Z's, but millennials uh, grew up around this enneagram. It exists. It's about people. It's about personalities. And it's so all happens. It has to do with how people show up in relationships. But before we even figure out what is it and how you show up in a relationship uh this part one we wanna understand a little bit what is an Enneagram, Melinda? what do we even begin with the Enneagram like what's the inception of it how where do we, how what what where, where does it begin
1: um so the Enneagram at its most shallow it is a personality inventory with nine core types um however, I think that it's also just a really deep um way of understanding how we as children uh, survived in the world and got what we thought and felt we really needed and how we carry that pattern into adulthood, into our lives and our relationships. Um, And it's also uh, a guide uh, to help us to grow, to make us aware of that pattern and then to help us to get out of it so okay. yeah
0: so, so so it seems like it's something that starts as well from childhood so there's some sense of attachment so is there a difference between the the attachment style and the enneagram or is this the same or this is left and right and north and south is like uh, what's the difference i'm hearing that from childhood okay so family of origin maybe walk me through that are they the same or are they different like what's what's the difference there?
1: Yeah, so I mean, I think they're different. However, I think they can coincide together. So I think uh, certain types can lean towards particular attachment styles. Um, You know, certain types can be an anxious attachment, right? Um, But uh, I think that what the Enneagram does, that attachment styles doesn't necessarily is talk about um, maybe the core desires and core needs of um, every person. Um, And you know, I think it just provides a bit more detail and um, how we can show uh, show up in the world. So um, I, I think they go together. However, they are they are different things.
0: They are different things. Mm-hmm. So it's neither either or. Um, you could dabble there, but the Enneagram can give you a little bit more it's more uh you say there's nine of them yeah. uh, attachment styles is about 3 plus 1 so right. it's a little bit more it goes in depth a little bit more so let's talk about these 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 nine enneagrams where do we even begin how do you even begin how do you organize them how how do i nine seems like a lot is it
1: <laughs> yeah yeah well actually you know you start out with nine core types but at its deepest you could get um to 27 Um, We won't get into that today, but um, I'll just go over the nine types. So, um, yeah, they're organized in triads. So, um, if you uh, see the Enneagram shape, which you might post somewhere, um, you can see uh, nine points all connected. Um, And so, uh, the triads are broken out into... um, Uh, triads that lead with um, the body intelligence or their gut, Um, three that lead with their feelings or emotional intelligence, and three that lead with their head or um, their thoughts. Um, Okay. And that's three kinds of intelligence.
0: That's that's interesting because so that already there – it begins to organize them. You can almost kind of rule out the ones that are not you if you were approaching them. Um, The one, you mentioned one that leads with the gut, with the body. Um, Can you unpack that? What what does that mean? Like, what does that mean? Um,
1: Um, So, I mean, I think that's basically the fastest way that we think in the world. And actually in Western culture, I think that's the one that we tend to um, forget about or push aside. But it's it's basically that... um, the way that we um, can decide about something being right or wrong or just or unjust in a second, a split moment. Um, It is a very um, quick way of organizing uh, your world. Um, and yeah, so that's that's the gut intelligence.
0: So the, the this triad can be uh, the microwave culture. Can we blame them and say they are the ones who brought in the microwave culture where they want things instantly, decisions instantly? Are they impulsive?
1: Well, it depends on the number. So um, the three oh, numbers okay. in the gut triad um, are eight, nine and one. And each of them interact with that gut intelligence differently. And so, you know, you have the eight, the Enneagram eight, and I think that kind of, um, that they're the, they do tend to be more impulsive. They tend to um, want just more. Um, They tend to be oriented towards strength and power. They're called the boss or the challenger,
0: right? They.
1: Yeah, they, they move toward conflict and confrontation. Um, hold on hold, on, hold on, hold on. Maybe let's do yeah. this, let's do this.
0: Let's, yeah. take, let's take it from the top. So do we begin okay. from one going up? I, I begin or from eight. Out? You I begin, begin from, from eight.
1: eight. Yeah. Oh, so we're right yeah. in the
0: beginning there. So okay. Yeah, we're
1: right in the beginning. So, yeah.
0: so listen up, folks. You're type number eight if you are. Go ahead, drop it.
1: If you are so, it's called the boss or the challenger. If you are oriented towards justice or un, like unfairness, um, if you um, are oriented towards strength and power, um, eights can go into a conflict. Um, They won't say that they love it, but they can do it because it's necessary. They are direct. They're straightforward. Um, It's, uh, yeah, they have an attention on creating order out of disorder, looking at the big picture. They have a lot of energy. They are very energetic and they can almost, their energy is when they walk into a room, you can kind of tell like everything orients towards them. Um, And the thing about eights is they tend to be. Quite intimidating without even meaning it because they are such, they have such big impact. Um, And so they don't often know how scary they can be, and they have a lot of access to anger. So um, they can kind of access anger quickly. They're the ones that you might see, um, you know, doing some road rage. You know ah uh, okay,
0: yeah, okay. yeah, so they can be excessive,
1: they can be impulsive, but they're also really protective of others, and they're really oriented towards standing up against the bully,
0: okay, so they're 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 the protectors, as it were, um yep. keeping the peace justice any any public figures that we may tag as an eight that pop up in your mind
1: so i mean i I do think that. Though this might be a controversial drop, but um, <laughs> I do hey, actually. Let's go for it. <laughs> I, I think that Donald Trump actually is an eight, um, a, a more unaware eight. Um, but um, in unaware, um, in in spaces of unawareness, eights can be very headstrong. Um, they can um, kind of just um, be really intense, and they can. I mean. Just push, 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 push for what they're wanting. Not afraid of conflict. You know, just they're, they, uh, they're going in. Yeah, they're going in. It's just like there's no pausing before they run headlong into something.
0: That says a lot about how they actually even show up in relationships. If they're push, yeah. push, push, uh, taking charge, it yep. may cause a little bit of some distress in the relationship. But that's a yeah. conversation for part two. Yeah, yeah. We just want to break it down and understand what the Enneagram is. So we're at number eight. Do we go down to number seven or we go? To now we go nine? up to
1: nine. To so nine. Yeah, okay. so nine is also a gut type, but the way that they interact um, with their themselves is very different. And so nines are the peacemakers. They are they are easygoing. They are chill. They um, can see all sides of an issue so much so that they have a really hard time identifying their own um, their own opinions. Right. So they their thing is they tend to merge with other people. Um, and so they become sometimes pretty numb to themselves, their needs, their desires, who they are. They really crave harmony, and so um, yeah, they can be really uh, great. Actually, like when they're aware, they're they can be super deep um, and know themselves really, really well. But um, I think they struggle a lot with um, knowing who they are and what they want, and and kind of standing up for that a- against the world you know the people in their world
0: it sounds like this is a person who would often feel like they have uh, um, lost the identity because they get into a space in a big world and they get consumed in a big world and they're attending to other people's needs and before they realize it they feel like I don't do the things that I used to do anymore and there's a sense of lost identity
1: yeah yeah or not, never even knowing that identity in the first place.
0: Never even knowing that identity in the first place. And that no. can be a challenge too when you show up yeah. at work or in relationship because you don't know who you are.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so often these uh, this number in relationship will find um, themselves kind of going along with their partner instead of really understanding, you know, what they're needing, what they're wanting, their opinions. This is the person who you never want to ask to put the pressure on them. Like, where do you want to go to eat? Because that just that's just a lot. That's just a lot for some nines. Right. So Melinda,
0: don't take me there. I thought maybe being stereotypical here, this is all women. Where do you want to go eat? I don't know. Do you want to go there? Oh, no. Um, no. <laughs> so would I be pushing it if I say, well, that sounds like uh, women are eights, uh, are nines in the stereotypical world? <laughs> uh, I think Am I getting get into have, trouble here? Yeah, you
1: are. You are. No, nines can have a <laughs> feminine energy, just like eights, I think, have probably more of a masculine energy. However, the body okay. with which that, you know, Im- Is in you know it could be any so the feminine
0: energy and the masculine energy so the nine would be the 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 masculine energy it could be the nine would be the
1: feminine Feminine.
0: okay all right the The nine would would be the feminine the eight would be the masculine yeah Um, and this could be male or female okay Um, any any public figure that we can tag to that
1: oh gosh yeah I feel like it's so hard to type um, public figures Uh, nine. Yeah, no, I, I, none, none that comes to mind right now. None that comes but, to mind.
0: For some reason, I was thinking of Michael Jackson as you were talking. I don't know why I was thinking mm, of Michael maybe, Jackson.
1: Maybe, maybe. <laughs> I, yeah. I don't
0: know why, but anyway, <laughs> this is not this yeah. is not a fact. This, we're, just, we're just using these figures just to give a picture in somebody's mind on yeah. what an eight or a nine will look like. So since this is the triad of the gut, um, so this would be eight, nine. Are we going to number one? One,
1: yep, we're going to one. Yep, okay, so, so that's what is the, one like? Yeah, so ones are called the perfectionists. Um, so in a world where things go crazy wrong all the time, a one, um, they're also called the reformer, the one notices and deeply cares. So they're the ones who have deep integrity in the world. They, um, they hold themselves to incredibly high standards and sometimes either intentionally or unintentionally can hold others to incredibly high standards, they want the world to line up with what they believe is right, and they also want to be good, right? And so that's where the one's energy is. Um, so they they are also oriented towards justice. Um, they are um, oriented toward um, you know wanting to make things good and right um, within themselves and in the world. However. Um, because of that, they also have a really, really strong internal critic. So, as as oh. much as ones can be critical outwardly, and, and some of them can be, um, their inner critic is louder, and they will they will uh, really really hold themselves sometimes in unkind ways um, mm. to incredibly high standards.
0: So, there's a possibility um, that somebody who is a one may feel like, "Am I good enough?" While they are Always. reflecting on the outside, they're also looking at themselves. Am I good enough to actually contribute on the other side? Yeah. So, which means that they may also need a little bit more affirmation to actually boost them, or they ne- over lean, there's a word like that. They need it much more because they have the inner critic, which is loud and loud if they don't pay attention to it.
1: Yeah. I mean, the, that inner critic, I think, both serves to. It serves to make them um, good, right? It serves to it serves to make them good people, which I think is probably the most important thing, right? To be good, um, and um, and right, um, in the world. So, uh, so yeah, and it can be a burden.
0: So they deeply care. It's it's like deeply. anyone who deeply cares, they are easily moved and hurt by other people's pain and struggles, and. Um, I could see the social justice part in that, and I could see them absorbing their partner's pain unnecessarily or much more than they would, uh, they can handle. Uh,
1: I think that they deeply care about their partner's pain. However, they often have a hard time knowing how to respond in a correct or right way. So they will often spend a lot of time spinning, trying to figure out like, how can I show up right? How can I show up well? How can I show up as a good person, a good partner? Um, And so they often sometimes have a hard time also knowing like what they actually really want. What they desire so this
0: the, the, if they if they don't position themselves right there may be a lot of confusion even sometimes confusions on the things that are actually good and right so that's the triad the first triad that goes with the gut that 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 makes decisions really kind of like a go, go-getters uh in in their different uh respects so what's the next triad that we go to
1: so the next triad that we go to is the feelings triad, the heart triad.
0: The feelings triad, the heart triad. Let's talk about the heart triad.
1: Let's, yeah, yes. Yeah. So number two, um, this this number is one I know well. Um, uh, I am I am an enneagram two. Okay. So yeah, enneagram twos are often described as the uh, givers or helpers, but I actually really think that a better title for them is the befriender. Um, Enneagram twos are, um, warm. Um, we are, we can seem really kind. We can seem really, um, like geared towards, we are geared towards connection and relationships. Um, we have a lot of feelings. However, um, we are very outward oriented, um, and basically like, we really just care about being liked. I think this is probably the stereotypical, though I really don't like this term, codependent. Um, right. So we, we want to be needed. We want to be wanted. We want to be loved. And so because of that, we will position ourselves in people's lives to be charming, to be likable, to be attractive, so that you will... Be drawn to us, so the people that we want to be drawn to us are drawn to us, and then we can have positive relationships and get what we're needing without actually having to ask. So we think. So that's 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 the twos gambit. We so we, the
0: twos, the twos. I I think I'm kind of relating to the twos a little bit there. Some of the uh, as we go along, I think I'll maybe two is a contender. Um, maybe. so it sounds so. like with the two. Um, they can easily get, they uh, not they can easily, when they hurt, they hurt deep.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and, and the way that we hurt the most is if we feel like the people that we care about um, reject us. That's, that's uh, like, those are the nightmares that I have.
0: So the rejection, the rejection, yeah. and yeah. It, 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 it also sounds like the, the twos love relationships it's it's we an important to. part of their life uh yes having those good and positive relationships really is a is a huge factor in their life. It doesn't matter who it is, so having those relationships is meaning. so if you were to ask a two, help me out here if you were to ask a two what is the meaning of life, they would probably say the meaning of life is having good relationships.
1: The meaning of life is love
0: the meaning of life is love love. Love, love. Yep, okay. love. Okay, Okay. okay, yep, okay. Yep. So that's 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 number two. That's number uh, what's two. the next one?
1: So the next one is number three, but I, I just want to say one more thing about number two, if that's okay. Sure. Yeah, the last thing about number two that I think, especially in terms of relationships, is that twos because we're so outward oriented, we have a very hard time knowing what we need and who we are. And so I just think that will show up in relationship too. So when we talk about that, I just want to kind of emphasize that.
0: Okay, all right. all right. So really yep. identifying what we need because we're outward focused as twos, it becomes a little bit difficult discovering who you who you are. yeah, and so that may yep. become a challenge if they are paired with an eight, but we'll talk about that a little bit, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> okay. yeah, yep. okay. so so what's the next one that we go to next?
1: Yeah, so next on the um on that triad is the number three. um, and so, Just like with the gut triad, each number in the feelings triad um, engages with their feelings differently. So twos really engage in other people's feelings, right? Um, They have a lot of their own, but they don't always know it. Threes are actually, they tend to repress themselves and repress their feelings. Threes are oriented around success. They want the people around them to see them as successful. They want people around them to see them as, um, I guess, competent, but Mostly um they they really crave approval. Um they really crave approval. And so um these are the people I, I think a lot of CEOs that you see are threes, they are incredibly action oriented. Mm. They are incredibly uh, they can be a bit impatient um because they want they want things to go um uh go according to their Th- this vision in their head that is very productive, like so. If do it doesn't B, go according
0: D, to their D. vision, that can be a problem. That can be. It problem. can
1: be a problem, especially if it slows things down. Right? They want things to go um, well and quickly. Um, they are incredibly productive. They can be workaholics, um, mm. and you know sometimes material success and kind of outward um, outward benchmarks of success are really important to them. They have a really hard time showing and knowing what they feel.
0: Hard time showing and knowing what they feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That can be problematic aren't, that can yeah. be problematic Feelings in relationships. <laughs> yeah.
1: In relationships. Feelings aren't aerodynamic. That's that's the that's the <laughs> saying. They, so they because they
0: suppress their feelings, it means that, I'm just thinking about uh, some mental health as well here, they may be prone to depression as well if they go through a rough a rough patch and they are not able to emotionally express. They carry the burden a lot, and that could weigh heavily on them.
1: Yes, yeah. and And I have actually seen a lot of threes that struggle with anxiety as well, which is another symptom, right, of what you're describing, that suppression of emotion.
0: Right. So, yeah,
1: yep. Yeah. Yeah, that can be really hard for threes.
0: Okay. So I'm seeing that there's different unique pieces in each of these numbers, but somewhat they're not necessarily completely separate. There's a little bit of some traces here and there, but in each there's an emphasis on something, an emphasis on something.
1: Yep, exactly, exactly. An emphasis on something that they draw all their attention to.
0: Now that's... That's the second one for the triad. What's the other one that goes with that triad?
1: Yeah, so Enneagram type four, and they're often called the artist or um, the romantic in the classical sense. Um, So fours love feelings. Um, Fours are the ones, they're very internally focused. Fours are the ones who often know how they feel, know the shades of how they feel, Right. They can describe sadness in 50 different ways okay. and they really know um, and feel their feelings uh, often. Like it, it, these are the people who could feel, you know, happy in the morning, melancholy at noon mm. um, and contemplative at three. And, you know, they just they kind of can cycle through the whole gambit of their feelings um, in a very short period of time. Now,
0: um, would that be a person we would call moody?
1: They could be called moody.
0: Cultural context, social construct way of defining things. Is that what yeah. we call moody?
1: Potentially. I mean, I think um all uh, the, many types can be moody in their own particular ways, I think. <laughs> I think though what this type gets labeled with a lot is sensitive. Um I think oh. sensitive is a superpower. However, um <laughs> that label can be negative. And so because they feel things deeply and can be um, really, they over-identify with their feelings. They are their feelings. Um, they oh. can be. They they can also be labeled as you know. Oh, you feel too much. You're sensitive. Um, yeah. Um, when. So,
0: so there's a struggle with differentiation there for them. Yeah. With how yeah. they, um, how what they think and how they feel tends to be almost lumped up together. Yes. And in places where they need to be. intellectualizing they emotionalize and it gets a little bit difficult for them to navigate that the opposite is true where they are supposed to feel with the the opposite is also true where they're feeling where they're supposed to think they feel where they're supposed to feel they think because all of that is lumped up together
1: Yeah, their thinking and feeling are basically together. I mean, fours can be very intellectual numbers, like they can use their heads quite a bit. But I think over and above that, they are very, like, they are led through their emotion, um, and what they're feeling about certain things. And so they I mean, as a as a result, they can be incredibly thoughtful, they have so much depth, Um, they can hang with suffering, like, nobody, because they know it so well, right? Because they Mm -hmm. feel all the shades of those. However, yes, it's hard for them to understand who they are apart from those really big um, feelings.
0: So this sounds like somebody who would um, create a product to open a company that serves a purpose in the environment, but they're not necessarily concerned about the profits or the profits don't outweigh uh the impact on the environment or on the impact on people um it's not about making that money for them. It's like, okay, how can I make money in such a way that people won't get hurt or there's a balance between the two
1: yeah and and how can they make money or do things in a way that is most authentic to who they are and what they feel
0: all right, okay, so now that's 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 the third piece. Yep. On this quadrant, and this quadrant was the one was for the individual the people that are emotionally driven. The power emotions are powerful. um We tend to say sometimes label people and say you're so emotional. Yeah, I'm emotional. That's a good thing. It's a superpower. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I think so. so. <laughs> I, I think so too. I think so too. Um, um, because once you have emotional intelligence, you. You you can navigate a whole lot of things in your life in a way uh, uh differently. So that's a that's a second uh triad. Now we're going into the third triad, and the this triad, triad is the head. Okay, tell yep. me about the third triad. So what number are we at now? Number five.
1: Yes, yeah, so we're at number five, my husband, uh enneagram okay. five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the head triad and, and specifically enneagram fives, they're called the observers. Um, so they, their fear in the world is being overtaken. They tend to be very, um, private people and they are really vigilant around energy. And so, um, I think this is probably the stereotypical, um, introvert. So they want, they can never have enough time alone. Um, they can, they're, they have a few very good friends, but if, you better be worth it if they're going to spend the currency tower. of their energy and the time, right? On somebody. Um, they are uh, incredibly intellectual. And so you'll find a lot of academics who are fives. Um, sometimes they can kind of go into their ivory tower um, and have a hard time coming out. And so. Mm. And they have a hard time accessing their emotions, spontaneity and and deep feeling because um, they use their minds to guard themselves from um, basically everything. You know, if they can understand it, they can conquer it.
0: It sounds like somebody who is often never really understood by a lot of people. Because it's because they're in their mind. It makes sense they can rationalize it. And because they can rationalize it, they're not really out to open it up to anybody else. So it takes a lot for you to get into their space and understand them. So most people would just say, you know what, they will. They get labeled in so many other ways, like, like a list of things, like, oh, this person's like this, this person's like this, because they haven't really opened up to a lot of people.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Stoic is one of the words that is used often with fives. Um, And what's interesting is I hear from a lot of fives that they feel like they are like broken or wrong in the world. Like they almost like something's wrong with them. I find that actually they are deeply emotional, but they just don't know. They're so sensitive. They don't know how to tap in. Right. And so um, And so they really do care about relationship and, you know, they are deeply sensitive. But again, they don't know how to tap into that. Um, And so, yeah, they do get mislabeled quite a bit as stoic or robotic um, or, you know, unable to be uh, in deep relationship sometimes. And and in fact,
0: that's not true at all. Insensitive could also be a label, I think, that they could get from it sounds like. And really, they're not. And I would assume that if they're told you are insensitive, it hurts them. Because in their mind, they're thinking, "I'm not insensitive. How could you say something like that about me?"
1: Yes, and then exactly. they close off again. Yep, yep. It takes a lot to get them to open up, and um, and they are hyper vigilant around rejection.
0: Hyper vigilant um, around rejection.
1: Yeah. Yep.
0: So that's yeah. a number five.
1: Five. Yep. That's
0: a number, number five. five. Number five. Number six.
1: Yeah. So number sixes—they're called the devil's advocate or the oh contrarian, <laughs> yes, or the loyalist, right? And so sixes can be, um, actually, sixes um, are the people in the world. Uh, the sixes that I uh, I know—they are deeply um, loyal to their the roles that they have in their lives, like parent, friend, um, spouse, partner. Um, these things have deep meaning for them and they want to perform these things well because um you know they have so much loyalty to these people in the world. Um, the reason why they're called the devil's advocate or the contrarian is because they tend to live life um, in a space where they 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 hold a lot of suspicion towards authority um, mm. and they question everything this is how they um th- it's almost how they work things out in their world like, they, they think in worst case scenarios, right? So these a lot, are the people. A lot of
0: millennials. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh
1: my gosh. Well, they would have to be given everything that has been thrown at us. Right. But, um, but yeah, like worst case scenarios, like they'll just think down the line. You want these people on your team if you want a good troubleshooter, because they will think in ways that you would never think. And if stuff goes down, they're prepared.
0: Mm. So,
1: so yeah, but they they really they really need um they really are oriented towards security because they can see so much in the world that is insecure, right that isn't stable, and so they really um, are oriented toward trying to be um, people I think who provide security and then are also secure themselves, right they need to feel secure. Um, sometimes they have a hard time trusting themselves.
0: So this sounds like, this sounds like a person, um, who processes a lot of pros and cons. They can identify the pros and cons in any decisions, in financial matters, uh, they can process the pros and cons. So when they are going to do something, um, they already know that, okay, I'm doing something dumb here, but I already know why it's dumb, but I like it. I'm going to do it anyway. Or if they're not doing it, they already know I'm not doing it because of A, B, C, D. They 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 have it figured out.
1: Yeah. If they make the decision. If so, they make the decision. If they make okay. the decision. <laughs> so paralysis analysis could be something that all head types struggle with, but I think especially fives and sixes, because um, because they're going through an endless list of pros and cons, right? And so they have a really hard time, and especially sixes, again, trusting themselves. And so they can just, they they have a harder time with action. So... They they can just sit in the pros and cons for for a long time,
0: hmm. and that means inaction. And yes. in a relationship, it could mean that he just doesn't do anything or she doesn't do anything. She just talks and talks about how negative and positive, and we never do. We'll get to that. Yeah, Two. <laughs> <laughs> so um, that's number six. And number seven.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's so number triad. seven. You
0: complete yep. the head triad. Okay.
1: Yes. Yeah. So number sevens, um, the joke about sevens is everybody, when they find their type feels really like badly about their type, they're like, oh, that's me. That's terrible. Except for sevens. Sevens, okay. sevens love typically love that they're sevens so sevens are happy-go-lucky they're called the adventurer um, or the epicure so they're Mm -hmm. the ones who love they almost consume experiences these are the people who i see on instagram who are doing like five different wild adventurous activities a day traveling (laughs) the world backpacking and all that stuff Yes. So they just, they want to They, they're fast paced. They're energetic. They, um, I think a lot of CEOs can be sevens too, but they're ideas people. Um, they have a harder time with implementation, but if you want an ideas person, a seven is your, your go-to. That's who you go to. They are, um, they're fun. They want to have stimulating experiences and they're going to go from thing to thing, to thing, to thing. Um, and they just have so, again, so much energy. Um, they, however, have a really hard time, and I, they're, they're a little like eights in this way, but they have a really hard time accessing um, negative emotion. So they're, it's almost like uh-huh. I need freedom, I need fun, I need positivity. They're super optimistic. But when you ask them about emotional pain, they're like, oh, no, 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 no.
0: I go there Mm-mm.
1: there's something inside of them that really has a hard time with that because I think deep down they have a fear that if they tap into that they'll never get out mm-hmm. and it will so overtake it's scary
0: them. down there and so this would this is somebody who perhaps maybe might have gone through trauma in their life or in their childhood, and it may affect their adult relationships and they don't want to go back there because. It actually even is much more painful for them to go there because that has to do with the emotional piece of things.
1: Yeah, maybe. I mean, I think that definitely is, um, uh, you know, something that could happen to sevens. I think they're the ones who you see if they've gone through trauma. They're the ones who uh, I think it gets reflected to them, like, "Wow, all that happened to you, and you're so positive. All that happened to you, and you're so optimistic. You're so resilient. You're so like, um, you're so happy." Right, and you know, deep down, I think that yeah, there's a lot of fear of going into those hard emotions.
0: Uh, could a, could a, yeah. could a seven be a person who blocks away difficult things by just being in the positive mood? Let's just be have fun. Let's yes. just not talk about that. Let's let's yes, like a parrot, colorful and and yeah, like let's yes, okay, all right. So so in all of these numbers. Um how do I avoid making this just a number and actually um embrace it and take it in as a personality uh, and identity because it's easy to say oh I'm a number 7 and that's just a number.
1: Mm, yeah. How do I question.
0: how do I take it on and really embrace it and I and learn to work with it?
1: Well, I think the first most important thing is to spend some time with it. Um, I think that often tests, though they can be somewhat helpful, um, getting to know every number and really checking it against your own personal experience you know, based off of your entire life, what comes most easily to you and how that's been for you in every situation or most in your entire life. Um, and spending some really good time with that and seeing what fits, honestly, it's a process to get to your number. Um, sometimes it comes quickly for people, but often I think it takes some really intentional, um, internal thinking and, um, Actually, that's the whole point of the enneagram, right? It's it's about awareness. It's not about I'm a seven, I have this box. It's about, you know, I now know that this is the way, this is my box, and now I know because of that awareness how I can get out of it.
0: Right? So the word so, that I'm so the word that I'm looking for is awareness. Enneagram is about awareness. The more you know yourself, the more you show up better in life yep. and in general, yes. wherever you may be. Yes. It, it it it's interesting because um, uh, as I was listening to you talk, it sounds like it's in my best interest not only to know my number, but to know generally what the other numbers are like. Yes. Okay. Then I can perhaps it'll help me deal with conflict. It can help me figure out my partner. Uh, it can help me navigate life with the difficult situations that I have with my boss and all that stuff. Just having to know that okay. This is my personality type. This is my boss's personality type. Uh, this is my my partner's personality. It's not that they're mad at me or they just don't care. It's just who they are. So, how do I understand them and let them in my world to understand me? Exactly. That's, that's what I'm hearing. That's, that's,
1: yes, yes, that's absolutely right. And I think um, not only is this my personality type, but again, awareness can bring us out of, um, i like to think of these numbers too as maybe um sometimes ways that we go into autopilot mm.
0: um,
1: and so the awareness um, that we can have around type it could be you know wow so this is this is my Enneagram personality type right this is the way that i go into autopilot here are the things that i do without even thinking that could be hurtful to me that could be hurtful to the people in my life that could be detrimental in my job and here are the numbers that i know that my boss or my partner, um, identify with. And this is what I know they struggle with. And this is what I know what they might tend towards in their, you know, in their autopilot. And so now I know and can have empathy for an understanding of these people in my life and how they, and, and how they identify in their core type.
0: So with these numbers, um, once I identify numbers or one or two or three or seven or whatever, is it permanent or can I... At this stage in my life, before when I was single, I was a three, and then I got married, I was a five, and uh, I got older, I became a nine. Does does it work like that, or pretty much you stay with the number that you have?
1: Yeah, so you stay with the number that you have, your core number, um, and, and you carry that throughout your entire life. However, in different stages of awareness and growth, that number can look very different. Right. So for instance, you know, when you have any, an Enneagram two, you know, in their least levels and their lowest awareness, they can be almost, uh, you can sense like resentment and manipulation. If you don't, if you aren't grateful for the things that I did for you that you never even asked for. Mm. Right. Um, Mm. but, but in awareness, when twos start to understand, I need to learn how to Take care of myself. I need to learn what I need. I need to learn how to show up authentically in my relationships instead of showing up how I think people want me to show up. They can start to take on um, a deep, authentic way of being and a generosity that doesn't look like the two, like a true generosity that doesn't look like the two that doesn't have a lot of awareness. And they can they can even take on traits of um, other numbers. So uh, it looks. A little different as they uh, they grow, but they keep their core type.
0: So that's an interesting piece because it doesn't necessarily mean that the person has changed. It just means that they have adapted to a situation and the experiences have kind of shifted them to respond in different ways, but they still who they are. And so sometimes when you're with people or hanging out with people, partners, wherever they may be. Um, It may not necessarily be a true statement to say that you've changed. A person may not have changed. Sometimes people do change, but sometimes they may not have changed, but their number is manifesting just differently. So learning that and knowing that just may be transformational for yourself and for the relationships you have around you.
1: Yeah, I agree. And and I think though, I, change, I agree with the idea of change. Um, I think that people do heal. And I think that as we get to know, um, you know, the boxes that we're trapped in, and bring healing to those spaces. And I think that Enneagram can bring some really great insight into where we do need to heal. Um, it can be also transformational.
0: Transformational. Wow, we could go on and on about this Enneagram. So I... I... I know that's why we decided to do it in two parts where we can in the next part, we'll talk about exactly how does the Enneagram affect your relationship? What you do with the Enneagram? How do they match? How do they mismatch? What does it look like in relationships? And I know we can go on and on and on with the Enneagram types. And from from what I'm hearing from Melinda is that they could be subcategories underneath. So this thing can go deeper in really understanding yourself. Um, Are there any assessments out there um, that I can take to kind of get me going um, and try and understand what my Enneagram is?
1: There are several tests that you could probably Google and they could point you in a direction, though I have to caution you um, that they are often not uh, accurate. So it could be a good, it could be a good sorting um, okay. Or a good place to start. However, I wouldn't take it as gospel, um, which is why I think really learning about each type via a podcast or a book can really be more helpful. Because you know, learning your type, like I said, is is a journey, um, and so so yeah, I think that would probably be a, a podcast would be a great
0: um, Play- beginning. Let's oh, start. All right, Melinda. Uh where can we find more information about you? What are you up to? What's going on in your world?
1: Oh, yeah, well, I run a private practice called Inviteria Counseling uh, in San Jose, California. Um, so you can find me at on Instagram uh, at Inviteria Counseling. Um, and then I also am, um, i, I just founded with my uh, with my colleague and best friend uh, a counseling collective called Havenly Counseling Collective. So you can find us at Havenly CC on Instagram.
0: Heavenly well. CC on Instagram as well. Now, yep. if you are local in California, you can actually go and sit down with Melinda. She's taking some time to actually study the Enneagram, and she uses this as part of her practice of counseling. So they can go ahead and find you once they link you up on Instagram and book a session with you and walk through that journey with you.
1: Absolutely. And actually, you can also um, find me. I have a blog as well um, on my website. Um at inveteracounseling.com. So you can also check that out and find out more about me there.
0: All right. Thank you so much, folks. It's a wrap. Another episode of Relationship Factor. As always, if you need more information or resources, go check out relationshipfactor.org. And this is a part one of a part two. As always, it's another episode of Relationship Factor. It's a wrap. Thank you, Melinder.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Bye-bye.